Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts with a look at California agricultural news. Early registration for the 2024 Crop Consultant Conference hosted by Progressive Crop Consultant Magazine and Western Region Certified Crop Advisors is now open. The popular event for certified crop advisors, pest control advisors, grower applicators, and industry professionals is the mainstay for all continuing education needs this year and will take place on September 25th and 26th at the Visalia Convention Center. Visit myaglife.com slash events for the early discounted rate of $275 per person, which includes the live conference, a trade show with 70-plus exhibits, first-class dining, entertainment, and a mixer. We'll see you there. According to the USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service, in a recent Pacific Region Vegetables report, artichoke production in 2023 totals 774,000 hundredweight, up 2% from 2022. Planted area was estimated at 4,300 acres, down 12% from the previous year. The value of the crop totaled $64.2 million, 41% above the previous season. Utilized production totaled 774,000 hundredweight, all of which was for the fresh market. In California, artichoke growers had a good year with good yield and quality despite the devastating storms that pummeled the state from January through March. The cool wet weather set harvest back about four weeks. Asparagus production in 2023 totaled 601,400 hundredweight, up 8% from 2022. Planted area was estimated at 16,200 acres, down 4% from the previous year. Area harvested at 15,700 acres was down 3% from 2022. The value of the crop totaled $72.1 million, up 5% from the previous season. Utilized production totaled 594,800 hundredweight. Utilized production totaled 594,800 hundredweight, of which 471,200 hundredweight was used for the fresh market and 6,181 tons was for processing. Cabbage production in 2023 totaled 21.2 million hundredweight, down 3% from 2022. Planted area was estimated at 53,400 acres, down slightly from the previous year. Area harvested at 51,700 acres was down 2% from 2022. The value of the crop totaled $598 million, 6% less than a previous season. Utilized production totaled 21.2 million hundredweight, of which 17.9 million hundredweight was for the fresh market and 160 2,575 tons was for processing. In California, the largest producing state, weather during planting in the fall of 2022 was favorable. The historic deluge in January 2023 that caused extensive flooding and a refilling of the Dry Tulare Lake also impacted hundreds of acres of vegetables in the San Joaquin Valley. Though some cabbage growers with small acreage were impacted by the flooding, the net planted acreage was up from the previous year. The remainder of the growing season saw mostly favorable conditions, though a wave of extreme temperatures in July briefly impacted development in the Salinas Valley region. This year, there were no reports of significant pathogen impact on cabbage. More information from this USDA report coming up in future broadcasts. USDA's Plant Protection and Quarantine Program and the California Department of Food and Agriculture have been facing exotic fruit fly incursions in California. Luckily, PPQ and CDFA are experienced at eradicating fruit flies, and their detector dogs are trained to help. 
PPQ officer canine teams from the National Detector Dog Training Center are slated to deploy to California to support the fruit fly emergency response. Two canine teams were trained to detect exotic fruit fly larvae within the host environments. The dogs represent some of the recent successes of PPQ's Agricultural Detector Canines Strategic Initiative. Its goal is to expand the use of detector dogs to enhance domestic pest surveys, detect pests early, and facilitate the trade of U.S. agricultural products. The detector dogs are trained on live Mexican fruit fly larvae within fruit and will transition them to other fruit fly larvae species once they are within the quarantine zones in California. Headquartered in Facilia, Oppie, a leading grower, marketer, and distributor of fresh produce from around the world, has joined forces with table grape owner, grower, packer, and shipper Sun Grape USA to establish Sun Grape California LLC, an Oppie company. This joint venture was developed to redefine excellence in a category by consolidating and securing a consistent supply of high-quality grapes, according to Oppie's president and chief operating officer, David Smith. He says they have aspired to become California grape growers for a very long time, and they proudly are announcing the fruition of that dream through their partnership with Sun Grape. He said the exceptional quality and excellence displayed in their farming operations deeply resonate with their values, making this a synergistic collaboration. Together, they embark on a journey that not only celebrates the art of grape cultivation, but reflects their shared commitment to delivering the finest produce. Combining Oppie's rich legacy spanning over 165 years and Sun Grape's three-decade history of farming expertise in California's San Joaquin Valley, this collaboration aims to create a unique solution for the market, blending a multinational reach with extensive experience. This union positions Oppie, an import grape powerhouse, to significantly complement its offerings with California table grapes and enables Sun Grape to expand its distribution. This partnership was official as of February 6, 2024. Veritable Vegetable, the longest-running organic produce distributor in the U.S., is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year and is in the process of planning its ownership transition. They have so much to celebrate and much more to be grateful for, according to Nicole Mason, Director of Community Engagement for the San Francisco-based company. She says it's hard to believe that Veritable Vegetable has been in business for 50 years. They are busy lining up some exciting events for staff and some creative ways to spread the word for their special milestone to the sizable community. Founded in 1974 as a wholesale produce supplier to a network of health food cooperatives called the People's Food System, Veritable Vegetable has always been dedicated to supporting small and mid-sized organic farms and independent retailers, according to the company. The history is extensive, according to Mason. She says they have been instrumental in creating the organic produce industry as we know it today, having supported so many small and mid-sized growers and independent customers in their decades of service. In reflecting on Veritable Vegetables' 50-year history, Mason highlights several achievements that the distributor is most proud of, strong relationships with growers and customers, a unique low-emissions green fleet, and the company's female leadership. Over the years, Mason says that Veritable Vegetable has put in a lot of time and effort into transitioning its trucks to be environmentally friendly. She says they are proud of their green fleet of low-emission tractors and trailers. And most recently, they've upfit their first two refrigerated trailers to all-electric. Mason notes that Veritable Vegetable also recently implemented a pick-to-voice system. This new and robust order pulling command system has allowed them to be almost paperless in their operations and has increased efficiency and efficacy in their warehouses, she said. 
as Veritable Vegetable looks to the future, it is exploring the concept of a perpetual purpose trust, which is a unique ownership structure designed to emphasize the purpose over profits. Mason says they are taking the time to be strategic about the future of the company. They are determined to stay in San Francisco and are doing a lot of work around succession planning and how to structure the company as it moves forward. Demand is outpacing supply for fresh organic herbs at the moment. The days are shorter and winter is progressing slowly, according to Danielle Violante, marketing manager for Jacobs Farm Del Cabo. She says they are looking forward to this month in California, where they'll start to ramp up on the supply side with many of their staple and specialty organic herbs. Supplies are coming from the Baja Peninsula. It's a little warmer in Baja, but not quite warm enough for things to be thriving, she says. Supply was a bit stronger this time of the year, which is again largely attributed to the crop just coming out later by approximately three weeks. Organic fresh herb demand is good right now, even though demand tends to soften somewhat after the holidays. Holiday herbs are the peak of demand. It steadies out after the drop because of consumers wanting healthier eating habits in the new year. Consumers are also starting to recognize fresh herbs as nutritious additions to their meals that are very inflation-friendly and easy to use, according to Violante. In terms of consumption trends, the herbs that continue to consistently grow in popularity are staples such as basil, chives, and parsley. She says they're also seeing a massive spike in demand for fresh organic mint, and they can attribute that to the fact that mint can be used for so many things, but there's also a rise online to use it in recipes and cocktails and mocktails or as a garnish. While consumption of hearty winter herbs such as rosemary and thyme remains consistent, consumers are also experimenting with herbs such as lavender, marjoram, sorrel, and more. As for pricing, it looks similar year over year, she said. While they're seeing slightly increased prices due to demand outpacing supply, herbs remain an inflation-friendly and nutritious option to keep the demand on the consumer side high year-round. In its preliminary crush report released recently, the California Agricultural Statistics Service said 3.67 million tons of wine grapes were crushed in 2023, up 8% compared to 2022, when 3.40 million tons of wine grapes were crushed in the state. The total was a lower number than some expected. It does not include grape tonnage that went unpicked. Tonnage was up by double digits in the coastal regions. Pricing was steady in the report, possibly because there were fewer last-minute spot deals. Napa tonnage was up 30%. It showed the largest Paso Robles Cabernet harvest in five years, and it was a record harvest for Savion Blanc, especially in Lake County. The report also cited a crush of 3.7 million tons, followed by three years of below-average crops in a row. Rabo Research, which is part of Rabobank, recently released its five-year outlook for the almond industry. It's projecting grower prices will rebound for the next 12 to 18 months, with a number of caveats. And there's a large probability that supply and demand will stabilize by the 2024-25 marketing year. David Magana, Rabo Research Senior Analyst for Fresh Produce and Tree Nuts and one of the report's authors, pointed to a lower carry-in as one reason for his optimism. Actually, we've seen prices improving over the past few months already. And that's, uh, that's been happening because of uh, two reasons. Uh, back-to-back shorter crops globally in 2022 and also 2023. With logistics improving over the past year, now we see that uh, shipments are quite strong this year. And then for the first time, in three seasons, we will see a significant decline in carryout. So we're expecting carryout to reach manageable levels by the end of this season. 
and that's that's the driving force so we basically are estimating uh, supply side variables such as uh, varying acreage yields and also demand side variables such as uh, domestic shipments and exports as well for the next five years. California accounts for about 80% of world almond production and about 86% of global almond exports, according to the report. But Australia, which has seasons opposite California, is one producer that Magania has its eyes on. In 2023, they had uh, some challenges in, in terms of production, so they end up their marketing year with basically no inventories left. But this year, they are expecting a, a rebound in, 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 in production, but they will be benefiting from these positive trends in, in prices. And also, uh, for, for Australian growers, it seems like uh, now they will get better margins uh, given the water situation that they have experienced in this, uh, this season. And just keep in mind, they are starting harvest these days, so they're expecting some relatively positive outlook this year. So the increase in competition from Australia, but also from the Iberian Peninsula, that will likely put some additional pressure on the international arena to California almonds. Some of the shipping challenges that erupted during the COVID pandemic have subsided, but Magania says he continues to monitor what's happening in the Red Sea and Middle East. Already, he says they've seen shipping prices starting to increase. Seen logistic concerns starting over again with uh, what's been recently happening in the in the Red Sea in the Middle East keep in mind that most of the trade that goes from China to Europe goes through the Red Sea and any disruption there if they are diverting vessels to travel all around Africa that's not gonna only increase the cost but also the time that uh, those vessels and containers will take to go from Asia to Europe. And then those containers, instead of making four trips a year, they will probably be just making two trips a year. So that will likely have ripple effects in terms of container availability. And also we've seen already shipping prices starting to increase. So we don't want to go there again as uh, the challenges that we observed two, three years ago. The Land IQ report commissioned by the Almond Board of California found about 1.56 million total acres of almonds in 2023. Of those, about 1.37 million acres were bearing. In 2022, Land IQ found nearly 1.64 million acres with 1.34 million of those bearing. As older orchards are removed and newer ones planted, the number of trees per acre likely will increase. That, in turn, should increase yields per acre. To keep the outlook in balance, Magania said the demand side also must increase. We are expecting, obviously, uh, taking into consideration the trends in terms of profitability and water challenges that will put varying acreage in check in the next few years. However, we are observing not only a higher density, and, but also a higher proportion of orchards that will be in full production stage. So that's why we are expecting average yields to be higher than those uh, historical averages. So not as high as those in 2020, 
but definitely higher than historical averages. And that will put the California almond crop around 3 billion pounds starting this year and likely higher in the next few years. So that's why uh, shipments must keep a strong pace to keep that uh, supply-demand balance in a good position. Domestic shipments account for about 30% of overall almond sales. Consumer product inflation appears to have subsided, and Magana said that's improved consumer confidence. He said he expected domestic sales to pick up as early as the next marketing season, which begins in August. It's 30 percent, but if you take that for a single market, that is still a quite relevant market. So we've been, we've seen that shipments, domestic shipments, have been flat, and given that consumers continue to trade down, even though now we've seen some positive developments in terms of inflation, but inflation now is expected to remain above three percent. But it's a much better compared to the very elevated inflation that we observed two years ago and, and a year ago as well. So on the economic front, we are expecting macroeconomic conditions to improve and that will be benefiting consumer confidence. So we're expecting domestic shipments to start improving as early as in the, in the next marketing season. Magana said there are a lot of moving pieces to factor into the equation, including transportation availability, competition from pistachios and other tree nuts, and competition from other plant-based milks. But he said he remains bullish on almonds, partly because of their health attributes and versatility. That's a, a lot of moving pieces, as always. With the logistic challenges, besides the Red Sea, Obviously, uh, also the, uh, the Panama Canal constraints, that is already impacting transportation cost. The almond industry will be facing increasing competition from uh, higher availability of pistachios, other tree nuts and other competing uh, aspects. But I, I still think that uh, this uh, powerful combination of helpfulness, convenience, taste, that, uh, and versatility that almonds have, those product attributes will continue to drive demand, which is going to be critical in the next few years to, to support prices. If demand continues to remain strong, Magana said they forecast an average grower price of about $1.90 per pound for the 2023-24 marketing year. If things fall into place, he said prices could continue to trend upward for the next several months. Once we consider all the variability on the demand side and all the potential variability on the supply side, we see all that combined when we show our price estimates with a big range of, of possibilities. But our average estimate is that for, this, for the current marketing year, blended prices could be around $1.90. And then in the next few years, if the demand keeps pace, we're expecting uh, average prices to, be, uh, to stabilize at a, a higher level. Obviously, there, is, there are a lot of moving pieces, as, as we said, with a significant uh, probability of having lower. So it, it will depend on these supply-demand combinations. But in general, our outlook is, is bullish, so we are expecting this rebound in prices to continue in the next few months, and given the, this uh, impact from reduced carry out, but in the next few years, driving demand will be critical. 
All this talk of supply and demand and almond consumption takes me back to television commercials that aired in the mid-1980s. Standing waist-deep in almonds, the real live growers who starred in the ads pleaded, A can a week, that's all we ask. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. Research into the damaging drought in South America's Amazon River Basin suggests that the current drought, a feature of El Nino atmospheric circulation, has been worsened by the effect of climate change. The studies were done by the World Weather Attribution Project and summarized in a post to the noaclimate.gov website by NOAA senior science writer and editor Rebecca Lindsay. The WWA project's work, using analysis of observations and computer models, finds that even though the 2023-24 to El Nino is strong, human-caused global warming has played a greater role than El Nino in intensifying the Amazon basin drought. In terms of agricultural impact, the WWA analysis finds that rising temperatures due to climate change caused more water stress than El Nino alone would have caused. Using the U.S. Drought Monitor scale, what would have been a severe drought in the Amazon due simply to El Nino's effect has been worsened by a full two levels of drought to exceptional. That worsening of the drought means that the 2023-24 to Amazon drought is the worst on record. Farm Bill efforts are intensifying despite seemingly long odds again this year. The American Farm Bill Federation and other farm groups are not taking no for an answer despite the huge election year Farm Bill hurdles and a quickly closing legislative window. AFBF Managing Director of Government Affairs, Ryan Yates. Farm Bureau is a great convener of people. Our offices are going to be stacked between now and May with, with Farm Bureau members from across the country. All of them will be going to the Hill. To bring the grassroots push for a farm bill and other key ag issues directly to lawmakers. But AFBF's farm bill campaign goes further. We have a campaign, uh, Farm Bill for America's Families. We've, we've got uh, interest from hunger, nutrition, conservation, farm, farm commodities, uh, all working together to, to leverage uh, one message. And that's we need to get a farm bill done. And despite different priorities to unite the entire farm and food system behind that goal. From conservation food, nutrition, agriculture. Uh, I think the one uh, continued message is we need a farm bill, we need a good farm bill, and we need to get it done. The 2018 farm bill expired on October 1st and was extended one year, but its subsidies and provisions are outdated given inflation, higher interest rates, and lingering supply chain pandemic impacts, according to AFBF. Minimal month-over-month changes were reported in both world and U.S. rice supply and demand ledgers issued by USDA. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain shares the story. Quiet USDA supply and demand estimates, both internationally and domestically, regarding rice for February. World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski says the world rice balance sheet reflects an increase in production from Sri Lanka. In terms of the global balance sheet, relatively small changes. Total use raised about 800,000 tons to a new record high of just under 523 million tons. This month's increase mainly reflected higher consumption in Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, and the Philippines. And then global trade, a little bit higher exports out of the U.S., as as well as Pakistan. It was not just exports that was adjusted up in the U.S. rice supply and demand ledger. We raised rice imports again, and we've been doing that pretty consistently over several months now. The changes in rice trade led to a tightening of ending stocks for the current marketing year. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. 
The Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance is welcoming the launch of a USAID workforce development initiative aimed at building the next generation of conservation delivery providers. The Working Lands Climate Corps is a opportunity to provide on-the-ground education and training to develop skill sets needed to address natural resource challenges, according to the organization. Climate Corps fellows working with state and local organizations will gain the skills needed to provide conservation technical assistance to agricultural producers who are voluntarily making climate-smart investments in their operations. USDA says in the last decade, world agricultural output grew at an average annual rate of 1.94% per year, far slower than the 2.74% growth rate over the prior decade. That's also below the average annual rate of 2.3% over the past six decades from 1961 to 2021. The slowdown was primarily tied to a slowing rate of growth in agricultural total factor productivity, which fell 1.4% per year in 2011 to 2021, compared to 1.93% per year during the previous decade. TFP measures the amount of agricultural output produced from the aggregated inputs used in the production process, including land, capital, labor, and material resources. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast and live and virtual events jcs marketing has the reach to inform educate and influence growers in the western united states everywhere you go you see west coast Net magazine on the, every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that it's there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 